This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. I don't wait for an opportunity. I create it. And that is exactly what my next guest did. My guest is Rita Mitchell. Rita is the mastermind, founder, and CEO of the Onyx Family brand, a self-made media giant. The Onyx Family has 7 million total subscribers on YouTube, and correct me if that's off, 81.3 million average monthly views, and 4 billion total lifetime views. The Onyx Family is a family of entertainers, authors, and entrepreneurs, which consists of parents, Myrtle and Rita, Rita's with us today, and their four children, Shalom, Sinead, Shaday Arshasha, and Shiloh. In this episode, we'll discuss her entrepreneurship journey from being a nurse to founding an entertainment company and how she built a, I'm assuming at this point, multi-million dollar entertainment company with no funding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Rita, welcome to the WTF podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And it's funny because on the tail end of that intro, with no funding, I have always been very big about doing it from the grassroots, doing as much as you can for yourself and, you know, holding yourself accountable. Um, and then obviously there's, there's probably, there's benefits obviously in investors and everything, but when you're working with your family, um, I think it's really, really good and a great lesson for the children, especially to learn how to build something themselves versus relying on, you know, okay, how do I pitch? How do I pitch? No, grow it, grow it as far as you can before you have anybody come and enter into the chat. So that's a great starting point, Rita. So tell us, take us back to the beginning. How did you go from nurse to what you're doing now? There seems to be no connection. So walk us along that journey. And you're absolutely right. There was zero connection. So what happened was, so I started off in nursing school. And so I basically went through the whole ra- the whole realm of nursing. I was an aide, then an LPN um, or an LVN in some areas, um, an RN, and then I went all the way to an NP. And at each stage of nursing, and I feel like this is important to talk about because this helped me lead me to where I am today. At each stage of nursing, I kind of knew that this was not for me. I am telling you, even the the first clinical in school for nursing, I said, I came home and I said, hun, this is not for me. He said, Rita, come on, you started, just finish what you start. That's a big motto of his. And I respect it, but sometimes I hate it because I want to go, like I'm done, you know? (laughs) So I, yeah, so basically I was like, all right. And I kept on finishing, you know, start this new degree because I felt like, maybe this next degree or this next realm of nursing, I'll totally love that one. You know what? It was only because I was a aide or it was only because I was an RN. And then within nursing too, I did everything. I worked in the hospitals. I worked in the community. I worked in telehealth. I was a professor. I worked in psych. I worked in anything that you could think of. I did. Continually trying to find something that stimulated my my creativity, my love, my joy, my passion for what I was doing. You know, when you get up every single morning for work, you need to be looking forward to it. It, not, it doesn't mean that every aspect of it is going to be, oh, so fun. But what it means is that even in the things that are tedious, even the things that are boring, 
you still find joy because you're like, it's getting me to where I really want to be. I was working everything I listed to you, I was still doing. So I was in psych, I was in community, I was in, I was in the hospital, I was at a retirement home, and I was teaching. All of those things I was doing. Now, I was burnt out. I was tired. And I said to my husband, who's like, he, I said to him, hon, I don't like this. Even though I know I'm supposed to be the president of a company, I don't like, I, I just know that this is just not for me and I'm going to hate it too. And he said, Rita, I told you this and what she had. So my husband, who has been a pastor and marriage and family therapist for like 17 years, he said, Rita, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to support you in this. I'm going to go down to Florida with you. So he left his job because he knew I was going to do this, you know, medical company. And he was going to support me because after all these years, I had kind of followed him around, you know, to um, where he was working and then to the seminary in Michigan and then back over there. So he always felt like, you know, he didn't get to support me in the same way. So we are down there. I've told him I don't like this. And he said, Rita, I'm not working right now because he was from Toronto. So he was getting his green card. So he wasn't working. Everything was on my shoulders. And he said, Rita, I'm not working. So you're the only one that works. So if you hate what you're doing and you stop everything, what's going to happen to all of us? <laughs> you know. And obviously I had four children by this point. And I was like, so burnt out that I was like, you know what? I don't know. And I don't care. I did care, but I was just so frustrated. You were over it. Yeah. Something has to change. So during this time, I was watching YouTube, you know, it's like an escape. I'm like, YouTube is basically like, you know, like a TV network, right? So I'm looking at all these people on YouTube and I'm like, how are they living their lives? I'm seeing these YouTubers and I'm like, why does it feel like they get to dictate what they do every day while I'm sitting here like slaving away? And we're all sitting there watching it and right. they're just off just living their life. Living their life. And, and it looks like it was a good life too traveling and, and just spending time with their families and all of that. So I said, huh. So I came across this genre where people were doing skits as like kids and families. And I said, you know, it would be fun if me and my family did these skits. Two things were going through my head. One, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, I make family memories. Two, maybe somehow I'll get paid. I have no idea how these people get paid, but Maybe I will too, because I reasoned that these people wouldn't do it if they weren't making some sort of money. Nowadays, it's so common for people to know how much people make. But back then, it was still under more of a cloud. Like we had like a, a thought, maybe these YouTubers make money, but I wasn't sure how. So I called everybody in the room and I didn't call my husband because I did not want him to be like, oh my goodness, Rita, now you're going to go and be a YouTuber. I thought we were here for the medical company and blah, blah, blah. You didn't want his logic at that point. No, no, I right, exactly. I didn't want his practicality and his just finish what you start. <laughs> so I called the children and they're like, um, I said, guys, I presented them this idea. I think we should do some skits as a family, spend some time together. I think it would be fun for us to just spend some time. And I do see some people are getting paid, but I'm not quite sure how. But you know what? Doesn't matter because even if we don't get paid, at least we'll be able to spend some time together. They're like, oh, okay. Um, as I'm talking to them, my husband walks in the room and I'm like, uh-oh. He's like, what are you guys talking about? And I'm like, uh, 
well, see, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to do it, see if it was successful, and then see, hey, look, hun, you know, look what we're doing. But he surprised me and he said, okay, let's do it. And I was like, what? And he's a man of action. So he was like, let's go. So we went and we got this, some, some like minimal supplies, like costumes, and then we just started. And nowadays it's impossible um, because of the way that they've structured things on YouTube. But back then, it was so easy to now be monetized right away. So because of that, in two weeks, I was able to basically see that I could quit my job. And in two weeks, I was able to quit every single thing that I would be so willing. But I knew that I had something really good going with my family. And I did not want to compromise that. I've always wanted to work with my family. So I knew that, you know what? didn't matter what else I had. This was my number one priority. So you said a whole lot and I have so many questions. Two weeks? Two weeks. It was Two crazy. Weeks. Two weeks. I was help, able to help, quit. Help, help, me un- help me and the rest of the listeners understand. Two weeks. I'm stuck on you know, two weeks. You know, it's honestly, I have never seen a trajectory so quickly. And that's how I knew I felt like it was blessed by Propellus. I think one of the main things is that we looked at what everyone was doing. And then we said, you know what? Let's put our own spin on this. So let's make it familiar, but unique, meaning some a trend that everyone is doing, but let's put our spin on this. So we were able to, you know, get into that algorithm pretty quickly. And then from there, it took off. Now, mind you, again, you can monetize right away back then. And because we were more in the kid How long genre, ago was back then? What year did uh, It you was start? about 2016. So not so 20... that far back, but far back enough. Right. Well, in YouTube years, it feels like ancient. It's really because... long. Yeah. It's moving quickly, the platform. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And every year they, I would even say twice a year, they make all these changes with algorithms and all sorts of rules. So, you know, it was, we were in that very small window right before a whole lot of changes took place on the platform. So, and because we were in the kid genre, kid genre, they tend to just rack up the views. The reason why I was able to quit is because I could see the trajectory. I could see the revenue adding up. I could see the trajectory. And by the next month, I was able to pay off all my debts. <laughs> Show me the way. <laughs> I, I will say this. I've done a lot of thinking over these last six years because it has now been, you know, six years. We're still going strong. And I would say that the reason is because we focus the most on plat- on the platform that pays. I was just having a conversation the other day with my cousin. She asked me, um, she was reading, I can't remember what book she was reading, but she was saying that, you know, in this book, they were saying, people don't ask people who are wealthy, how did you, how did you become wealthy and how did you stay wealthy? And she said, you know, Reed, I'm just going to ask you. And um, I told her, I said, you know, I've been doing some thinking. And one of the things is that um, the platform that I feel that pays the best is YouTube, you know? A lot of people have said, oh, I'm going to be a Instagram star. Or I'm going to be a TikTok star. Or I'm going to be all these other things. Which- so even now, Rita, with the rise of TikTok, you would say that YouTube is still more profitable. I have no idea how the revenue generation works on any of these platforms. So I'm just speaking from a novice perspective, repeating what I hear other people saying. Yes, absolutely. It does pay better. But I'll say this. So there's two ways um, that you initially just get paid, you know, as a creator, obviously you do, you can have AdSense 
or ad revenue that's associated with like YouTube, but you also get like sponsored posts, like and, and brand deals where a company pays you and then you create, you know, content for them. People who are on TikTok, especially because it's so big right now, are making a ton of money from uh, sponsored deals, those who are big on TikTok. But they also have like creator funds and like, you know, Instagram has like creator funds. So there's all these funds where people get like a percentage, I think, each month of like a fund. But with YouTube, it's like, you know, every video is monetized, you know, um, well, depending on, you know, your genre and everything. But in general, your channel is monetized, you make money. Um, and it's not necessarily a part of a fund. You don't have to necessarily be like at the very top to make money. How do you make money? Okay. So for example, if you're on YouTube, let's say you make, um, now you have to have, um, I think a thousand subscribers and then I think 4,000 hours watch time. So to start now, monetizing. To start monetizing. So once you get monetized, you you know you say you accept the to be a part of the, the the program to monetize. And what you do is, as you create content, YouTube places ads on your content. It could be before, it could be a little box, um, it could be to the side, it could be a whole video right before your your video, and you get paid from people watching those ads, clicking on those ads, and you get a cut. YouTube takes 45%, you keep 55%. So that being said, they want to put their ads on content that has eyeballs. So for that exactly. to happen, you have to have sticky content. Now, what's the key to creating sticky content? How did you know you had something that people wanted more of? You said you came to realize that the kids were funny when they were given permission to just be themselves. But- I guess you're looking at the algorithms and all of the stuff in the back end that's showing you this trajectory and you're like, hey, I think I'm onto something here. Is that how it went? Right. Creating sticky content, um, there's two ways you go about doing that. You can already see what's sticking, like the trend that's 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 current right now, and then say, how can I put my spin on it? And that's how we started. We said, you know, what's really popular? Um, Let's see what we can do where people can see that that's something familiar, but that unique to our channel. So that's one way. Another way to make sticky content is to be completely original and be the leader. Now, so um, what, was, what was your value proposition to what others were doing? Like, what's the different thing that you were doing? I would say this. I, I'm trying to say this in a way where um, it's it's clear because it's kind of hard to explain when you don't watch it. But I would say that one of the things that we started with <laughs> that really blew up, um, there was two, two types of videos that really blew up. One of them was that um, we had certain videos where we had a little bit of spooky element to it, but not scary but like fun, spooky. So think like Scooby-Doo or, you know, something like that. And from that, that was a little different than what everybody was doing. Everybody was doing just like, I don't know, toys and things like that. We decided, oh, let's make it a little bit of a thrill. And I think um, that's what the kids enjoyed. And that's what I think made us, made us different. Okay. So the key to sticky content is... 
have some sort of differential from what else is out there. So either add your own spin to what everyone else is doing to make it stand out or create completely original content. How hard is it to create completely original content? Because I think that's very hard. I think it's hard because it's easy to do, but it's not easy necessarily to get into the algorithm because it's not being searched. People have to, it, it needs to have that word of mouth almost like, have you seen so-and-so, you know? Um, I think what I find now with the rise of TikTok, I think that originality is actually, uh, in some ways, it's it's even harder because if you see everybody on TikTok is doing the same dances. Everybody on TikTok was, is, you know, using the same sounds. Everybody's doing the same pranks. And so I find that, but I do find that people love it. So they want to see that same thing done by various people that they love watching. So I think it's hard to do something original, but I think it's so necessary. I'm speaking with Rita Mitchell, the mastermind founder and CEO of the Onyx Family brand and a self-made media personality about how to create sticky content. So based on what you're saying, Rita, it doesn't seem as if original content is what the platforms want. They want what's already familiar. They just want to see different people doing it. So you just bring your own whatever it is that's unique about you to whatever everyone else is doing. Is that the strategy or the secret? I think that's, I think that's a strategy when you start. I think you build your audience with that. And then from there, you can go and be original, original, like doing something that nobody's ever heard of. But to, you know, to be honest, like, you know, in the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, right? Um, You know, there's some, there's going to be familiarity at, with something. doesn't matter what you're doing. You could have an original idea for a vlog, but, you have, but the vlog concept is not original. Your idea might be original. So there's going to be always elements of familiarity. I know that this is also something that they use in marketing, like traditional products. And these big companies use that same sort of um, concept that make it familiar enough and nostalgic enough for the consumer to want it, but make it different enough so that they, they just, they say, Oh, Oh, this is something new that are unique or music today. A lot of musicians sample older artists. So they grab the nostalgia for people like, you know, now me, you know, (laughs) in my age group and older and we'll say, Oh, I remember this song. And then we'll hear their spin on that song using the samples from the older music. So this is something that I think you can apply to every single element of of the business. So you've been, you've been at this for a while now. So what are five key pieces of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs that you learned while you were building? Okay. The first one I would say is start with what you have. When we first started, We did use like costumes. So that was the one thing we didn't have, but we used our cell phones to film. Um, We used just our regular lights in our house. Um, We used, um, I think the editing software that came with the computer, like we were very, very, very basic. And from there, we just started to, to gradually get more equipment and things to make it better, to make the, the, the quality better, the, you know, the pictures, the, the sound, everything better. 
Um, but I think sometimes people want to jump from nothing to big studio and not realize that like with anything, start with what you have. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people, they see your results, but they don't want to go through the process that you took to get those results. Like you don't start at day one and get to, you know, 7 million subscribers. You start with one subscriber and you have to do something. And I think that there, there is a lesson in what you said when you, you started talking about even when you were a nurse, about starting and finishing things. But I think that is integral to what you are doing now. So even though it's completely different, you're good at starting and finishing. And I think (laughs) that's key to success, though, so that when you land on the right thing, you can start it and finish it. Because if you started and finished so many things that you didn't even want to do, you can certainly start and finish something you actually want to do. Right, and I think right. doing all of those things sort of built that that activator muscle in you, right? It was just preparation until you found the thing. So nothing was a waste. Sometimes we have to just go through that process of, you know, it seems like, why am I doing this? I don't like this. But you can always take something from those experiences that you can apply to what you're doing now that you love and clearly you're succeeding at. But we were talking about five key pieces of advice. So number one, we'll start where you are. What's number two? Don't overanalyze. Just kind of pick something, go and just start it. And don't worry about the what ifs. Don't worry about, will I make the same money this person does? Just start. Don't worry about the challenges because you'll learn as you go how to deal with the challenges. YouTube has not been... A walk in the park. In a lot of ways, it's been very challenging. They've changed up a lot of rules. Of rules, they have. We've we've had to deal with just several issues um, with the platform. Things that were just just a lot of issues. You know, it, there's no job where you're not going to have a challenge. And we also had to deal with you know our own forms of burnout and just whatever it is. And if we analyzed all of that from the beginning, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, we would have never started. So it's kind of like, don't overanalyze, just go with them. It's like your day. You don't sit in bed and you don't overanalyze all the things that could happen. You just go along, you just get you up. Just get up and, and start the day and finish exactly. the day. <laughs> Number three. Number three is um, go with your strengths. So it's funny because people will say, well, how did you know your strength was that when you were in nursing? How would you know media is your strength? Well, the strength, like you had actually pointed out, is the researcher. In my family, everyone calls me the researcher. So no one else does the research in the way I do. So they don't. I don't really expect them to do it. But it was that research that helped us become where we are. I have a daughter. She's, she has the strength with editing. So she's like our main editor. Everyone knows how to edit, but she's like the head editor. Um, I have another daughter who's very, very technical, and she does all her music. So that's her strength. I have another daughter. She's very creative. All she does, she writes skit after skit after skit, and they're always very unique. Um, I have like my son who tends to know about like the trends and, and is very forward thinking. And people, and he, he's like a magnet for people. So, you know, he uses that within our, our company. Um, my husband, he's very much into like nurturing and um, putting the heart 
into our, he always says I'm the brains of the business and he's the heart. Meaning like he's the one that does like the outreach in the community and all of those things. So we come together and we utilize our strengths so that we are really acting synergistically for, I would have rethought it because I really wanted this to be a family thing, but I wasn't going to force anyone. Thank God they were all like, yeah, let's do it. Because I think everybody at that age was like, I want to be a YouTuber. So it wasn't that hard to get them involved. But I do also want to say though, that I also knew that um, for a brief time, I was still working. And so I knew that I wanted them to take ownership. So when you take ownership, meaning it can't be just, oh, mom, do everything. No, from the get-go, it was like, okay, let me learn how to edit, teach the one how to teach them how to edit. And then from there, they took off. So now the, the student has now become the teacher. You know, teach them about search engine optimization, teach them about uploading, teach them about looking for trends and this and that. So it was very, very from the beginning, making sure that they had all the tools. So you and it was easy to kind of see from the beginning what their strengths were and going with that and nurturing that. So from young. So the next thing that I would say, though, is to be consistent. That would be the fourth. This is a big one. And this is one that I'm working on myself, consistency. And I don't think you can escape it. You just have to be consistent. So you might hear, well, it's hard. It's a lot of work. What's your response to that? Uh, I can't tell you that it won't be because consistently... Being consistent doesn't mean it won't be hard. You know, it means like, yeah, it's hard. Whether it's well, you do it anyway. Weight, right. You got to do it anyway. Whether it's hard, like this is a thing. I think a lot of times people look at social media as a, um, you know, I don't really have to do it. Or um, if I want to be successful without putting in the work, it's kind of like those people who want to take a magic pill to lose weight. It just doesn't work like that. You know, like you have to be consistent. But you can do be consistent with what you are able to handle. And I think sometimes people put too much on their plates. So, for example, some people say, I want to, oh, I want to upload every single day. They went from not uploading at all and ever in their life to now I'm going to do it every single day. Not everyone can do that. There was a time where we started, we definitely did that. We definitely did that. And sometimes we were doing even twice a day just to get into that algorithm. So when you can realize that, you know what, it's going to be hard work, we're going to have to grind, the payoff is so good, because now we don't have to do that. But for others, and I will say that we could do that because we had a team. But let's just say you're doing it by yourself, it may not be as easy. So focus on the once a week, and just be consistent, even with the once a week, be consistent with something that you can handle and recognize that yes, it will be hard no matter what. But the payoff, the payoff will be worth all of that. So when you're thinking it's hard, think about what your end goal is, what you want to achieve, because the time is going to pass anyway. So you might as well do the damn thing. Like everywhere all around us is consistency. And those who are the most consistent, giving the most, the consistent quality, the consistency of the uploading date and time, whatever it is, they are the most successful. Why? Because people can rely on it. They can set their clock by it. They say, oh, yes, I can't wait for this video. I can't wait for this post. I can't wait. They want to hear, they want to see what you're doing throughout your day. Like they love it. And you have to think of yourself as just as important as these big brands. You would think of yourself in that same way. People are looking for that. On top of that, if you want to get sponsor deals and brand deals, 
companies that want to sponsor content want to know, are you active and are you consistent? Because they want consistent eyeballs. They don't want somebody who's like, oh, I might do it one month and then maybe two months later. And then I'm going to do a week and then, oh, I'm going to just stop for three weeks. Like they don't want that. They want to know, will you be consistent so that we can, you know, when we do a sponsored post that you have an audience that is there on your on your page or platform every single day. You talk about sponsorship. What advice do you have for creators about how to handle the business side of making money on these platforms like YouTube and TikTok, Instagram, etc.? I think that it's gotten a lot easier, a lot easier for people to um to get sponsored posts and brand deals, things like that, because um, there are so many uh, platforms where you can now pitch for certain um, brands, you know, depending on your content. So there's like, like um, I think there was Grapevine and some other ones. And even YouTube now has made it actually a lot easier. There's a feature in YouTube now where you can pitch for certain um uh, brand deals with companies that kind of post their project and then you can pitch and say, Oh, I would be perfect for this. Cause I'll do this and this and this. Um, I will say this just for full transparency. I've only negotiated personally one of my brand deals because it was when we were first starting, I was looking at everybody getting brand deals and I'm like, I want a brand deal. And there's a company that reached out to us and I said, okay, you know, let me, I'm going to like, you know, I was so proud of myself. I said, I'm going to negotiate the whole thing. And we did it. And it was our first brand deal. We were high-fiving each other. And um, I was like, wow. But pretty soon after that, we had, um, I had an agent and they now have been negotiating our brand deals for like, you know, several years now. But I do know many people though, who handle all of their brand deals and they're raking it in. And they're utilizing the platforms where you can match, be matched up with um, brands that are good for whatever your brand is and or your platform. And so I would say that you don't have to wait till you're big. That's a, that's a fallacy. Don't wait well, till you have- that's a good one. That's what I thought too. So you don't have to be big. Why would, why would someone want to spend their sponsorship dollars on you if you don't have- a lot of eyeballs just yet because well number one it will be in rel- your your pay will be in relation to how many followers or subscribers you do have but what a lot of companies are finding is that a smaller audience tends to be in some ways very loyal and so the conversion rate with that is going to be bigger don't wait till you're really big. Understand that if you grow an actual community, your your the brands will see that and they'll want to align themselves with you and they'll know that you're going to keep growing. So they're going to start to want to establish a relationship with you. But before we wrap up, how do you create community amongst your followers? But I would say the best way to create community is to be authentically you. Post on multiple platforms, meaning like um, TikTok and Instagram. Um, and if you have a YouTube channel, post content that shows obviously the the more 
highly produced things that you want to put out there, like the more structured videos, but also bring them into your home, bring them into the background, the behind the scenes, you know, talk to them in a real way, let them know, you know, the things you're, you're going through, not just like all sad or anything, but the joys, the highs and the lows, um, let them see what you're, what you're eating, what your thoughts are. It creates this feeling of, oh, I know this person, this friendship. We're in a day and age where people feel like the people that they see online are like their 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 friends and and family. And I think that if you treat it as such, and you treat your followers with that kind of care, love, and respect, it creates a community. I know this um, content creator. He always talks about like like being there for your followers, being there for your subscribers, your audience. And nurturing it like a garden, you know, like creating that community by nurturing it. Are the, the secret sauce to your own success. Right. You cannot copy somebody else's secret sauce. You have to match up your own. Right. You might be right. able to copy their strategies, but the secret sauce, that's you. There you go. Absolutely. That's you. Rita, thank you so much for stopping by the WTF podcast. For Well, lots of people know who you are, but if anyone listening doesn't know <laughs> what the Onyx family is or where to find you, let them know. Well, you can go um, to YouTube where that's where our biggest platform is. Just type in Onyx family and our main channel and our other channels will come up. Um, if you want to get to know us a little more personally, you can go to onyxfamily.com where it has um, everything that we've been doing, any media mentions and all of our current projects. And then, of course, on Instagram, Onyx Family, TikTok, Onyx Family. Basically, if you put in Google Onyx Family, voila, we'll be there. They're everywhere, guys. <laughs> you can find them. They're not under a rock. Thank you so much for stopping by. And to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, make sure you rate, review, download, share with your friends, all that good stuff. If you have any feedback, make sure you email me at where's the funding at gmail.com and make sure you stay tuned for the next episode on the Alive Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Join me next Friday for another episode.